Welcome to Lonely Girls, a podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. My name is Madeline Turner. I came to this podcast because when you find someone that you want to host a podcast with for the rest of your life, you want this podcast to start as soon as possible. Um, my, I'm saying this now to my um, my best friend slash lover, um, Rebecca Botter, who um, I am deeply, deeply um, in love with. Um, and well, I think it's almost, is it, it's almost the anniversary. I'm pretty sure of Maddie and I meeting in person for the first time. Um, two years, right? No meeting in person. You, oh, in person, in person, in person. Yeah. And so that's very romantic. And we had a 45 minute coffee date, but here's the real romantic part on December 29th at 207. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Maddie says, Look, I know you already have a podcast, but I think you should have another podcast with me where we can talk about these things. Oh. I know. It was very, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy. Standing in front of a boy saying, pick me. Pick me. Choose me. I think that that is such a perfect way of transitioning into some housekeeping news, some news for the pod, but like devastatingly, not devastatingly in in triumph. This is our season finale. This is the 15th episode. Um, We wanted to have a 15 episode season just to try it out. Rebecca, I, I feel like it has been like so much more than what we thought it was going to be. I think we thought the first season was just going to sort of be a, a testing field, but we've like the the Lonely Girl community has really sort of shown up mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think we thought would happen. And it's been just like so cool and so fun. It's been really cool. And um we love you, mommy and daddy are mm-hmm. not splitting and we love you so no. much. And it has nothing to do with you. No, this is we just, love each other. This is just it's time we just we need, need to, to take care of ourselves. Yeah, we need a little bit of a break, Mm -hmm. but mommy and daddy will be back together again. Yes, we will. And I would say we'll be stronger. Mm -hmm. We'll be be a stronger family Mm -hmm. overall, Um, and we have some new and exciting things that we're going to bring to the table in season two, so don't get too sad. Don't miss us too much. And just as a little teaser, um, there was something that came up a few weeks ago, and it thrilled me so much. I was like, Maddie, I want to record this right now. I want it to happen right now. Mm-hmm. And Maddie was like, shh, 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 no. Don't speak. Don't speak. And I said, fine. So like there is something that I'm so thrilled coming up um, that there sure is heck. I think it will, be. I think it will knock your gosh darn socks off. All right. So Maddie, let's get it rolling. Um, Maddie's got a real treat for us for the Lonely Girl moment of the week. So I know I never talk about this, but um, I happen to have a dead father. And it was his birthday yesterday. And I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I have kind of like the most incredible gift that anyone could be given. My dad growing up 
uh, ha- had and has a best friend named Greg, my my fake uncle Greg, who I have mentioned on the podcast before. So Greg and my dad were friends from the time they were 12 till the time my dad passed away. And on my 18th birthday, my uncle Greg gave me a book of letters uh, that he had collected over the years. And uh, it was all the letters that my dad had written to him. I think like of the first letters is around the age of like 21. And the last of the letters um, I'm mentioned in. So it's like the full scope of my dad's adult life in uh, in these scratched chicken scratch words. And I have recently been reading through them and have shared a few, uh, few passages with Rebecca. And we have both concluded that my dad was such a lonely girl, mm-hmm. like the loneliest girl. Um, and so in honor of his birthday, I wanted to read a little excerpt from, uh, a letter that he wrote to Greg, uh, when he was in New York in the year of 1989, which will very much tie into the theme of our podcast episode. Um, And I hope you guys delight in it as well. And then depression set in. Hi, my name is Dennis Turner and my girlfriend just left for college in Massachusetts. Say, You wouldn't happen to have a pistol or a bottle of very powerful barbiturates on you right now, would you? No? Well, thanks a heap anyway. Things aren't that bad yet. I'm actually quite cheerful these days. Sometimes, though, I feel like my whole body is made out of the cheese they put between lasagna slices, and I've been slipped into a 375-degree oven, preheated, of course. This is probably a combination of my mental state, parentheses, what mental state? and the fact that the temps we've had in the last few days make 78 sound cold. In the book Dr. Zhivago, whenever something important happens, whenever there's going to be a change of circumstance or mindset in the main character Zhivago, the author lets us know by making a storm occur. Dust storms, rainstorms, blizzards, hail everything. I think of this had happened in my life the last two weeks or so, and the strength of the storm matched the severity of the occurrence. It would have been raining since last Saturday. No before that even. It would have started out raining small, silver-plated napkin rings, then later on, small manual typewriters. Then, as the week wore on, typewriters would give way to the deluxe boxed edition of Irma Bombeck. Then, as this Wednesday approached, the books would clear up, and down would come portable refrigerators. On the last day, Wednesday, the refrigerators would be interspersed with Pac-Man machines, with the whole thing being culminated by the firestorm from the nuclear blast. So there you have it. Without really saying too much about it, my life's a real mess right now. I'm having one hell of a time cleaning it up. I think that's really one of the reasons why I bought the Vespa. So that when all this happened, parentheses, and I look upon you leaving as part of all this, I'd have something new in my life, something I could throw my interest into for a while, anything that I could take care of. Do you think that's terribly silly of me? I suppose besides all the good reasons for buying it, that was really one of the bad ones. Oh well. I seem to do a lot of that. Taking on things I don't really need. And yet, I don't feel like I need very much. So where does that leave me? I should split the difference and go live in a hole. The end. I love it. He's such a silly boy. He's such a silly, silly man. 
Such you a so many feelings. Girl. I know. Such a lonely girl. Holly Bill. He makes us look like He makes us look very sane and put together. <laughs> um, no, but like just such a beautiful writer. I like to the yeah. point of like the first time Maddie shared it with me, I was like, screw you, Dennis. Like Seriously. I feel that way every single time I read one of his letters. This is just him like effing off to like his friend Mm -hmm. like this is just his casual conversational writing although sometimes I do feel like I do my best work in in correspondence with Mm. with you Rebecca Mm. where there's like sort of like a comfort and I can be you know like the purest um the purest form of like my ability to converse Mm. because there's there's no um anxiety there Mm -hmm. I'm sometimes able to to pour my best thoughts out. So it might be a case of that. And I think also it's kind of nice to like the tap dance on the fireplace where it's just like, yeah. hey, check this out, Rebecca. Kind of like, yeah. I'm going to like really write this and yeah. you're just going to – And like you know you're going to like it. Yeah. And it's like – it's pretty impressive, right? I'm pretty good yeah. at this, right? But like, yeah, exactly. But it's just like <laughs> tap dancing on the fireplace kind of thing. Absolutely. Watch me, me, and <laughs> me, please, please, me. I wrote a poem. Me. Um, I, I also, and I think that, and I think we all need someone like that in our life. And I'm glad my my dad had uh, my fake uncle Greg too. To, to perform in front of and, <laughs> and, and and expel the woes of his lonely girl heart and then have manual typewriters fall from the sky. And then also like just getting to – and little did he know. Um, his <laughs> Little did he know that his daughter would one day read his ramblings on a, on a podcast. Because mm-hmm. in 1989, I don't think they had podcasts. Because we're just bringing the love today. We're bringing the love today, and it is our final episode. I unfortunately have two lonely girl moments. Well, I guess that was more a lonely girl treat. This isn't – so this wasn't necessarily a lonely girl moment. This was a lone girl moment where this weekend, um, for, for, for whatever reason, for the reason of a, a good friend's birth, I was invited to – Stay um, up in in Sequoia National Park. I don't know at a place called Three Rivers. It was beautiful. Uh, at an Airbnb mm-hmm. with it, with me um, and fourteen other men. Very windy, <laughs> darling in Neverland. Very windy, darling in Neverland. Like truly, could not have been more windy, darling. And it was such an interesting experience because. Um, I, and I know this is shocking news to you, but um, um, I, I'm not one of the guys, <laughs> you know. I'm definitely like – I'm definitely a girl's girl mm-hmm. and I definitely like love hanging out with the ladies and um, can definitely like – I would say like hang with the boys, but I'm definitely not one of the guys. Mm-hmm. So it was a really, really interesting experience walking into – so they had been there for – like a day already. Oh. And I came, I came sort of, uh, I actually came to the house and they were still on a hike. And so I just sort of came into this empty, not empty, this, this empty of people house, but like absolutely destroyed by boys house. The party was in full swing. The party was in full swing. Um, 
I was just the only person there to receive the party mm-hmm. until they got back from their hike. Um, and I, I just – it was such an interesting and delightful weekend being this sort of like whimsical little punching bag for, for all of them. Mm-hmm. It really felt like um, – it really – it felt like there was a role that I filled that I'd never experienced before but I think was like needed in in, yeah. in the sort of overload of testosterone. I could feel their like intense relief like the second that I arrived Yeah, because there was just something to like break the tension and a reason for them all to like behave. It was like, oh, like don't say that Maddie's here or like don't – no, don't do that. Maddie's here. Yeah. You can't do that, which is so silly because they absolutely could. Like I, if anything, like I'm more of a psycho than any of but, them there. But there is something that happens when too many men get together yeah. where they lose their – minds minds they absolutely lose their minds and i and i it was so funny and and the birthday boy is not someone who likes to lose his mind mm-hmm. he does not like to go crazy he does not like he's he's a very mellow kind of like good time guy um and i could feel I think I think he was just I think he was really grateful that I was there mm-hmm. to sort of just kind of like be the layer of oil a- atop this like sort of boiling cauldron mm-hmm. of soup. Mm-hmm. And that was like that was my role as the lone girl this weekend. Also every single time we played a game, mm-hmm. every single like every single time um there was a moment for someone to be sort of thrown to the wolves or um put put through the on the guillotine. It was just like, I think Maddie's the mafia. I'm like, guys, we just started playing. They're like, I don't know. She's shady. I don't know. I think Maddie's the mafia. I think I think it's actually Maddie's fault. I think Maddie should go do it. Yeah. And it was just, it was really sweet. I felt very um, I wouldn't say loved. That was not the feeling, but like loved appreciated. And I felt appreciated and very I felt needed and I it was it was a little daunting at first, but then it was very fun. And there's a very fun um picture. That we like a group photo that we got at the end of the mm. weekend, and it's just a group of very, very hungover dudes and Maddie, and a and then a and then Maddie <laughs> and Maddie in the corner. And I think like masculine energy and feminine energy like need to work together. And I think yes. because feminine energy was there, I know this sounds woo woo, but then the feminine energy in the guys were yeah. allowed oh. to come out. Absolutely. And I think like that's what was needed. It could be more of like a silly fun environment because there was this there was this thing there to Balance applaud it. and sort of like champion like their feminine energy and be like, yay, no do it. Yay. Sing a song. <laughs> so that was my lone girl moment, mm-hmm. which Honestly, probably like wasn't that lonely girl. It was it was just lone girl. It was lone girl. Um, it was lone girl. <laughs> um, but it was it was still interesting and I and I will look back on it fondly. Rebecca, I would love to know what your lonely girl moment is. Listening back to these episodes um while I'm editing, I, I we are sometimes the most l- lusty lambs. And oh, yeah. I needed to watch six rom-coms in the span of like 
a couple days. And I'm not yeah. ready to get to Aiden in Sex and the City. So I just needed – It's to, okay. And he actually – the actor um, who Maddie saw in person recently. I I did. I saw John Corbett in the flesh mm-hmm. um, at Casa Vega. And so handsome. So handsome. Ugh. Handsomer in person. Like he really – God. Do you know? Anyways, how tall was he? <laughs> I looked he's it up. He's so tall. He's six he's so five. Tall. He's six five, uh, Maddie. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's not okay. Doesn't that make you just want to run through a wall? It actually does. It actually does. Okay. It's insane. It's actually insane. So. Once Maddie told me that, I was so consumed with lust, I had to watch every single movie that Nia Vardalos ever made. For one, her first movie she was ever in, she wrote and she starred in, and she was 40, and she has gone on to make My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 is in post-production. She is now the lead of four different rom-coms. One of them hasn't come out yet. So I watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Then I watched My Life in Ruins, which My was Life a few years later. Um, no, uh, no John Corbett. No Aiden. No Aiden. No Aiden. Aiden. <laughs> but it's still – I did cry though. I don't cry in – I. it's like it's so hard to get me to cry during films actually. I cried – I do want to say that I have seen you cry a lot mm-hmm. in, in films. So I think – When? I, I don't know – um, breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, that's different. I was having a breakdown. <laughs> I was having a breakdown. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you're right. Oh, that was that was a low. And moment. also, and also, Mama Mia too. Well, you yes, but I mean, I wasn't there for that. But like, it's one of the first things you ever like shared with me about yourself. Well, I know that you like because cried so hard you made <laughs> you made the whole theater uncomfortable. But that's a very specific experience. Okay, 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 okay. So so it it, it it's it's usually intense emotional experiences in that rom coms. Okay, got so it. So then I watched so um my big fat Greek wedding, my life in ruins, uh my big fat Greek wedding two, and then I watched um How to Be Single with Dakota Johnson. Not that Oh uh, I just like needed not that good. I needed another hit. And then yesterday <laughs> we were going to record um yes uh we were going to record and then um maddie like you know we had to change things around to record today yes um and which you know so then i was free um so i went and saw bros yesterday and um, oh did you like it um, who's the the romantic lead in bros um billy eichner no his his scene partner person, Luke McFarlane, is so beautiful. Um, it's in it's insane, and he does such Did you a good also job. Cried during Bros, no, I don't want to like. Okay, okay. I don't want to like come for Bros. There's a lot of hate going on about Bros, but Luke oh my McFarlane gosh, re- cancel Rebecca. <laughs> she hates Bros. But <laughs> Luke McFarlane is actually has been the lead of a ton of Hallmark movies, and they make fun Ooh. of Hallmark movies um, in Bros. But then, as the movie keeps going, it feels like a Hallmark movie. The first like 
cheesy moment that happens, I thought it was like a daydream in Billy Eichner's head because I was like, this is so cheesy. Then like obviously there's going to be a fast wink to camera and it's going to be like, whoa, reality sets in. And Did you go see bros all by yourself? Yeah. I love seeing movies alone. I love that about you. Yeah. I love that about you. That's like one of my favorite things. You're so good at like doing things by yourself. I just love it. I love it so much. Do you have you ever seen a movie alone in a theater? No. Highly suggest. Um, I love it. It makes it's one of those things because I've lived in a lot of cities and I've seen a lot of theater alone. I've seen a lot of films alone. And it's one of those things that like grounds me and I'm mm. like, that's right. I'm fucking Rebecca Potter. <laughs> I know who it's, I am. No, it's true. And then, it's true. And then I also – I needed more John Corbett. I needed more. I needed more Nia. And so then I watched I Hate Valentine's Day. I okay. would rate that one as the worst. But okay. – uh, the worst Nia movie. However, were they both in it? Yes. <laughs> so is it worth your time? Yes. Yes. So um, consuming rom-coms uh, in a – I watched four in 24 hours. That just shows then, you where I am. And then also, also oh. we watched – When Harry met we watched, Sally. We watched the whole reason for this podcast. Yeah, sorry, y'all. Um, together. Now, so Rebecca, as, as a, a sort of connoisseur of romantic comedies, like how do you feel like when Harry met Sally stacks up against the rom-coms that you've seen as of late? It actually is interesting because in Billy Eichner's, like, he was on The Vile Files recently. Mm-hmm. He compares. He wa- I almost I almost watched that episode, like, last night, but I'm saving it. It's actually, yeah, it's a really, uh, Nick, um, it's great. <laughs> and, um, but, like, when Harry Met Sally is obviously when anyone makes a rom-com now, they're like, we wanted to make another great rom-coms. We don't make rom-coms like we used to. Like, you've got mail when Harry Met Sally. And um, and they didn't, they didn't deliver. When Harry Met Sally, it is such an experience that's so liquid, so mm. like it's happening to you. It just Ugh. washes over you that I almost feel like I don't watch it anymore. I just like – Like live in it. It's living it and it's so seamless. There's not a scene that cat- like stops and I like thoroughly enjoy oh, – I just – I love it. I it's love one of those love. every single day movies. We were just – so we – when we watch things for the podcast, mm-hmm. um, if it's something that we have time for or something we want to do, mm-hmm. we will try to watch it together via um, streaming service mm-hmm. and we'll sort of be together in the chat mm-hmm. like talking about things. And I feel like this is the one that we were like – we just had the most of like – I love this movie. This movie is so good. The writing is so good. Like it just – we didn't really have anything to say besides like Billy Crystal is so hot. Mm -hmm. I love this movie so much. What wig is your favorite wig? Like that that was the extent of this conversation. Because – and then like one of us would type like – Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for the next scene. Because yeah. like we are like I love this scene. I love this scene. I love I love this part. Like it's just it's so good. Okay, so let's uh let's go into our discussion. Rebecca, what was your introduction? What's your relationship to when Harry met Sally oh. as a film, as as a oh. So this is so specific. 
But I was house sitting for someone and my friend Claire, I was a senior, it was the summer after senior year, my friend Claire loved movies. She brought me, this is so, this is so 2012, she brought me a stack of DVDs and Mm. I like, uh, one of them that I cried so hard during, um, I guess I do cry more, Uh, (laughs) what's the one that's so bad? Pearl Harbor. I cried so hard during Pearl Harbor. I was 18. It was, it was the 90s. Um, But, um. It wasn't. But Pearl Harbor came out in like 2006. uh, Yeah. But, um, I, like, it just, it hit me at the right time. I was afraid. And I mentioned we were at Panera and I said, like, do you think, because she actually was going to go on later to marry her best friend a few years later, Ooh. and uh, which they're the cutest couple in the whole wide world. But I was like, mm. well, do you think guys and girls can be friends? And she, because like, you know, we were a little Christian girl. She's like, I almost brought you this movie. F- drive back to my house with me. I'm going to give you and Harry I met Sally. Yeah. And I, as soon as it started, I'm not even someone that sees making out and is like, give me more. But I remember before words were said, he's making out with her going, I love you. I love you. I'm going to miss you. And I remember thinking, this is going to change my life. I just knew it was yeah. going to be amazing. And um, yeah. so that's my relationship. Um, I I got it from a girl who later would go on to marry her best friend. I love that. Yeah. What are their names? Um, Claire and Gray. And everybody knew they were going to end up together and there was once she walked in before she knew him and he was alone in the music room playing the piano and she walked in and she was like, oh. I'm going to marry that man. In high, they were like high school oh. sweethearts. I know. Oh. And they are like, that. they like still, you like whenever you see them, you're just like, they love being together. They just love it. When, when Claire met Gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Maddie. What's your relationship okay. to the movie? So my relationship to the movie happened sort of in my mother. My mother has given me such an interesting media education. Um, it's very important to her, mm-hmm. or it was very important to her. Um, and I think she was looking forward to this time in my life in such a way that I don't think she was prepared for. So when I was about like 12, 13, I think my mom realized that I was like of the age where I wanted to and could start consuming rom-coms. Like before then, it was sort of, I was like honestly pretty anti-love. I was, I went through a phase where I was made very uncomfortable by people, um, people falling in love in movies, people kissing in movies. It just made me really, really, really extremely like grossed out. I did not like it. And then I watched in like a very short sequence, I watched like Empire Strikes Back. I was just (laughs) thinking about that movie. I love you. I know. Just like. Yeah. You know. You understand. Yes. I know. You. It. And. Okay. So in. In sequence. Empire Strikes Back. um, Pride and Prejudice. While you are sleeping. And when Harry met Sally. 
And I think the common thread in that is there is a tension, not a tension, a tension Mm -hmm. between the two leads where for all intents and purposes, it is an enemies to lovers sort of arc. Mm -hmm. And I realized like that was something that I was willing to consume because I could believably watch them start off as enemies, which is how I sort of felt about love and romance at the time. Mm -hmm. And then they gradually convinced me, (laughs) the viewer and themselves, that falling in love was good and okay and worth it. Once I then got over that um, roadblock, I was like, voraciously consuming that content. And my mom was like, I'm here for you. We are ready for this. Mm -hmm. And so then that just became what my mom and I would do because I'm, as you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I'm the eldest daughter of five um, and way, way older than my younger siblings. And so one thing that my mom and I could do that was just a thing for my mom and I Mm -hmm. is watch these movies. And so when Harry Met Sally was one that she – absolutely loved like Billy Crystal is so hot and also like love Rob Reiner like The Princess Bride is my mom's favorite movie um and he so much of there's so much of that same like energy and sort Mm -hmm. of wit and charm as there is in The Princess Bride and just like that extra like magic of Nora Ephron's writing it just it like it the same thing like it changed my life. Well, I fun fact, I'll be giving you a little bit more Nora Ephron Thank later. You. But um Nora, like Rob Reiner, she was writing it like Billy Crystal's Harry is Rob Reiner and yeah. Nora is Sally because like Whoa. how she orders like Nora that's how she would order food. She like she was the hostess with the mostest, but she was very like when she talks about the coconut cake, Nora is going, that is how one serves coconut cake. And Billy had that like negative nihilistic, just like Rob, who had just gone through a divorce when they began the process of making this movie. So it is it's when Rob met Nora. Rob met Nora. (laughs) Yeah. Aww. But. Nora was married to – She's been married a few times. I'm not sure which guy. I'm pretty – she might have been in between marriages. I don't know which one she was with. Okay. But it wasn't a Good romantic thing, but it was like that partnership, which actually well, was a lot of headbutting. They didn't – Well, and I think they challenged so each other. Is like the whole question of the film is can men, men and women be friends? Mm-hmm. And we don't know behind the scenes if Rob and Nora ever like – I don't know. think they did. I think they made each other better just like Harry and, so, and like, Sally did. For like the thesis of the film, which is like, you know, if you're in love with someone, you can't be friends with them, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Rob and Nora were friends and they were able to be friends. I do think though there was a lot of tension in their really – they disagreed a lot. I think um, – I don't think they were, like, besties for the resties. Okay. But I think there was, like, a mutual love and respect that then did lead into it. Um, so yeah. let's talk about um, – famously, this is – Famously. The Lonely Girls The Lonely Girls podcast. The Lonely Girls podcast. So let's talk about um, – let's talk about the Lonely Girls in this. There are so many beautiful Lonely Girls mm-hmm. in this – in this film. Mm-hmm. I would say both of our leads are absolute lonely girls. Mm -hmm. 
truly lonely girls when we were messaging and this is one of the reasons why you're my favorite person is you asked immediately enneagram just enneagram um and we sort of figured out that harry is probably a four wing five Mm -hmm. or a five wing four and then uh, Sally is a one with a two wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because those are very lonely numbers. Those are-, those are very those are very lonely Enneagram numbers. I actually think during the hiatus, y'all, um, the road back to you is the one I read. Um, yes. And uh, just a little thing, I made everyone in my master's, um, when I was getting my master's, take it. And because I knew all 30 of these people really well. So a good way to learn about the Enneagram, y'all, is actually make a lot of people you know take it and all of a sudden be like, oh, I never thought so-and-so and so-and-so are the same number, but they actually do work out of the same motivation. Um, yeah. So that's how- I find it. I I love, I love using the Enneagram to sort of like I don't know, just like dissect and sort of um, contextualize mm-hmm. people's personalities and motivations. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's also a great way to like – like when someone takes the test and they're like, oh, I'm a this. Mm-hmm. I find it to be – like it's not so much of like, oh, then this is who this person is. It's mm-hmm. more like now I understand how this person perceives themselves. Yeah. Themselves. And like that's a – I can understand this person better and how to communicate with them better because this is how they they see themselves. And also it's such a nice shorthand. Like I think like our vocabulary, we know it. And oh, then yeah. Mary and I know it really well. And then I can just be like, oh, what's her Enneagram? And then Mary's like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's like a seven wing six. And friend of the podcast, oh, Kathleen. Mm-hmm. Friend of the podcast, Kathleen, who is um, my best friend in the whole world. Sorry, Rebecca. Uh, Kathleen and I used to work together, and we would spend 80% of our day just communicating in what what Enneagram number we thought this person was, mm-hmm. whether it was a character in a film, a difficult customer, like a her husband. Mm -hmm. It was just like, that is how we communicated. And to this day, it is how we communicate. So shout out to you, Kathleen. Um, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you for listening to Lonely Girls. And then I think everybody, to get really good at the Enneagram, I think you need one friend who you can talk about it constantly with. Um, Okay. So um, Enneagram. So Lonely Girl, Let's talk yes. about the first – got to start with the most in-your-face lonely girl. The most we're like – Harry. Harry, yeah. Harry's such a lonely girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. He's so nihilistic. He's so like – I don't know. Like to me, like when you look at the difference between like John Cusack in, in America's Sweethearts mm-hmm. as the lost boy and then Harry in Harry Met Sally – there is a similar sense of like chaos and drama and nihilism and um, just sort of a, a, I don't know, a melodramatic sense of self. Mm -hmm. But the way that Harry deals with it is Lonely Girl. And the way that John Cusack, Eddie, deals with it is Lost Boy. Mm -hmm. Harry is, he's trying so hard. 
to make sense of the world. And he's almost like displaying his lone like one of his first lines is like, I I what is it? The problem is you don't have a dark side. I always read the last page in a book. Now that's a dark side. That's a yeah. I always read the last page in the book. So if I die before I finish it, I, I at least I know what happens. I, I feel like he might even at least in his display of Lonely Girl, like, I am left in the dust. And yeah. I think him showing that nihilistic side of himself is actually quite a great comfort to him. And I think that's yeah. why him and Sally are such a nice partnership is because, like, he, she's fine with him showing this side. And she's not yeah. a whippersnapper, like, cheer up or that. don't say she's that. She's just like – She's just like, okay, Harry. Anyways. Well, and I think there also is a sense of like, I think deep down inside, like Sally fears, Sally fears what he has to say or like how he views about the world, but is so comforted by the fact that someone's finally communicating it. Mm -hmm. Like someone's finally saying all these like deep anxieties that she holds about Mm -hmm. the world. And so, but so she doesn't need to like, Communicate that to him. Well, also, I think she, her world is like, I mean, Carrie, we love her, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. But like that relationship is very um, talking about exactly what's happening in that moment. Yeah. I think her world is like girl boss and like working lady, which is Nora was like so – she was so successful as, a, like, a journalist. Like, her career is ridiculous. Really, she doesn't have another person in her life that gives her what Harry gives her. Um, Like, you know what I mean? Like – No, that that does – that, like, and, like, challenges her. Challenges her to be like, hey, this isn't – like, let's, let's think and let's talk deeper about this. Mm-hmm. And I think alternately – Sally has, like, an energy and a warmth Mm -hmm. that Harry is, like, craving. Mm -hmm. That he – like, he wants to see the world the way that she sees it. Mm -hmm. And he's fascinated by her eccentricities. And and I think – and I think, like, other people aren't okay with it. And Billy – like, Harry says at one point when they're on that weird double date, he's like, oh, look, like, Sally's about to order food. Nobody orders food like Sally, you like know? Sally, yeah. and And it's like, it's one of those things where those qualities that you can find annoying in people, like, either people love that about you um, and are completely accept it, or, like, they don't, and that's okay. But I think Harry, something I just put together that I think is awesome is <laughs> Harry is wanting everybody to know he's not okay And Sally keeps going, I'm fine. And everyone's like, you're fine? And she's like, yes, I'm perfectly fine. It makes so much sense. It's fine, you know? And I think, like, that's how they're on two different uh, sides. And honestly, I think sometimes Harry might be more fine than he wants people to. I think sometimes he is okay. He actually is okay. Mm -hmm. I just I really I love them together. I I think there's something like we haven't really we haven't really talked about like a partnership that of like two deeply lonely girls mm-hmm. 
who will always be lonely like their whole lives like that's they'll they'll forever be lonely girls but they found one another they found mm -hmm. this sort of and like that's the sort of like friendship and partnership that you crave and that connection that you have with someone where it's like this is this is how I am this is how the world is and we are going to go about this together because you you make things just a little bit easier. You make the world make a little bit more sense. Yeah. And I, I think they're very comforted by each other. There was that yeah. moment after the wagon wheel table where Harry blows up. Sally Ugh. follows her out. And we notice this for the first time. Who's leading the other up the steps? I think he's leading her. I believe so. But he so. grabs her hand. He grabs her hand and they begin kind of jogging up the steps together for like point one second he's kind of like okay let's go back in I've calmed down he grabs her hand and they're walking up the steps together and then the friend comes out I can't remember the male friend's name um I want to say his name is Joey but that's not it he George, just feels like a maybe he just feels like a Joey to me but yeah he comes out and then the hand is immediately dropped and I think it's almost like there is this comfort between the two of them. And I think what's interesting is they, the two of them happen to have this weird journey to come together. But I think if they would have met like later down the road, I think they also maybe would have gotten along. It's, it's, I think so too. We would we just enjoyed the journey of them getting together. But I think why we like it so much is I think we, we like them together. It's not like they were just sort of like Stockholm syndromed mm -hmm. together and like they're the only people. It's like like with Jane Eyre, like Rochester and Jane are the only people who will ever make each other happy at all. Mm -hmm. They deserve one another because they're just such miserable little meh. But like Harry and Sally like would have probably found uh, separately like very great partnerships mm -hmm. with other people. Like they're both very likable people mm -hmm. and they're both very intelligent and competent and you you want them to get together not because you've been in it for so long with them. Mm -hmm. You want them to get together because they make each other better. And I also ah. – I like that um, – they are annoying in the beginning. Like the the annoying moments yes. you're finding with them, you're like, yeah, I don't really like you very much anyway, Harry. Um, and we clearly can't gush enough about this movie. And these characters. Okay, really and fast. These characters. Let's go through um Carrie Fisher's character. Do you think she's a lonely girl? I think she's a little lonely girl. Mm -hmm. I, I would say I think there's something about wanting to be with a married man, which she was. Also, her and – okay, we have to look up his name. I can't just keep calling him Joey. Joe. Well, as you're doing that, I do think what's funny is Carrie – oh, my gosh, Carrie Fisher. She's so good in this. Um, I love but, her. But actually, I think like – Jess. Jess. Jess and, Jess and Marie. Jess and Marie. I think Jess and Marie are also really interesting characters, and I think you actually – could have like flipped the camera. Totally. And totally. Je you absolutely could have watched a movie about those two. Jess and Marie. And I, I I think you would have like needed to start before the movie where you see their journeys. But I, I mean like it definitely – and like her having an affair and – uh, you know, Sally being like, she's not gonna, he's not gonna leave her. And she's like, I know. 
he's never he no one thinks he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna leave her and and it's like and she's like okay yeah I know she sort of resigned herself to this and he's resigned himself to being single and then I just that's like my favorite scene in the whole movie is is them going to dinner on that like double date mm-hmm. um that turns out to be terrible and her quoting him to him and and like how exciting that must be and also like I think Harry and Sally like or at least I think Harry's the more attractive one out of the two guys but it's just one of those moments where it's like you just click with someone and that yeah. just happens from time to time as you Ugh. go through life and sometimes it's not a romantic click but no. you just click with someone. It's really – it like it feels like everything is sort of like blurry. Mm-hmm. Like just sort of life is like blurry. You're meeting – you're talking to people. You're meeting new people. You've got these sort of like interactions. And then all of a sudden for like a second, mm-hmm. everything just comes into focus and you're talking to someone who like you can just tell on some sort of level understands you and gets it. And, and you just have this beautiful – and like there are definitely blurry moments in between – even with those people, but there's something so magical about that. Dating is so hard and like get, yeah. getting like working is so and then just it's it's not always your fault that you're not finding no. someone you get along with because sometimes it just happens and you say, Don't sleep with someone on the first date. But then sometimes like the person you meet, you're like, I think it's gonna be fine actually if I, I do think, it. I think actually it's gonna be fine. I, I actually think it's gonna be like totally okay. It's, and it's just sometimes sometimes the rules don't apply to you. Exactly. Sometimes the rules don't apply. And I feel like that's uh, that's sort of like the magic of life. And I think what this film does and why it's so special is it has Nora like understands how to show you real life. Mm-hmm. And how it is magical Mm -hmm. versus I think a lot of rom-coms these days are trying to manufacture magical situations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that have no like soul to them. Like there's nothing really – there's no villain in this movie. There's no like love triangle. There's no big bad. There's no like – cancer diagnosis or or someone having to move. Mm -hmm. The enemy is literally just – Harry and Sally and their own triggers and psychosis, not psychosis, their own neuroses and their their just sort of fears. And like the passage of time. Yeah. You know? And, and I think also Nora um, wrote about her world. She um, was a journalist and her first husband was like, a very successful writer. She like moved in these very affluent circles in New York. She loved New York. She was actually, her two parents were screenwriters actually in LA, but it's like, they're like, she was the most New York, New Yorker, but she actually is from LA, which is funny. But she makes, Nora Ephron makes everyone want to move to New York. Oh. Doesn't she make you want to move to New York? I've never, I've never, and I, you want to know what that actually makes sense of her not being a native New Yorker because I think there is I it I didn't know this until you just said this right now mm-hmm. but like her romanticization of New York feels totally earned mm-hmm. and like it makes so much sense cuz yeah. I think only coming from somewhere as like polar opposite as Los Angeles mm-hmm. can you really like 
feel how special New York is yeah. in those like very tiny, minute ways. Mm-hmm. Just wow. Yeah, she like sees the romance of it, and she was very um, romantically inclined really fast. About a little bit about Nora Ephron, um, Aaron. Carlson is a very talented writer and wrote, um, I believe it's called I'll Have What She's Having, but um, she wrote this amazing book. And what's so funny is, um, so she had three different husbands and she actually ended up with um, the uh, the writer of Reservoir Dogs. He wrote a lot of novels. And what's funny is oh. she would write these warm, lovely movies and he wrote these gangster-like things but what's so funny is actually people were like she was so much more the gangster she was cut throat she was like a news reporter the kid in sleepless in seattle was the second kid because after like two days she's like it's not working tom hanks is like you're not gonna fire a kid are you she was like like, i'll fire a kid she's like i'll fire a kid and i mean like and the kid is very important in that movie and it's a very good kid and then her husband was like he was such a gentleman and they were such oh a nice gosh. balance and their work like didn't reflect that. But um, I really suggest y'all, um, if you're having a mental breakdown, downloading the audiobook Heartburn and it is read by none other than freaking Meryl Streep. Oh, sorry. Who's that? I've never – who's – did you say Meryl Streep? I think it's Muriel Meryl Tr- Muriel Strepsel. Oh, um, oh okay. Mm-hmm. It is lovely. She won an award. She she's like she she won an award. She's on the rise. She's on the rise. She's on the rise. And you'll you'll know her name. So yeah, I would suggest listening to Heartburn um, because also uh, Meryl is in Heartburn across from Jack Nicholson, and it's documenting Ooh. the dis- the the imploding of Nora's uh, marriage um, to a Jack Nicholson character. He she found out he was cheating on her while she was pregnant. And that actually happened, and she threw him to the dogs. He was a very successful writer, and she very blatantly, as like a middle finger to her husband, like, I'm going to write a novel. But everyone knew it was all about her husband. Like, Ah. Nora does not take prisoners. Um, but also, yeah, did I sell you on it? You did. Okay. You absolutely did. Thank you. Um, yeah, and it's, it's fabulous. But what's, what's interesting is everyone talks about the three, the Nora Ephron three. But what's also, what's funny is no one talks about, she had some movies and they didn't go over well. Like, she actually worked really hard and she actually worked with her sister quite a bit. They were, uh, big collaborators. But, um, I think that's what happens when you make a truly great film, people are willing to overlook things. But and also, I that like you, that, that she sucked. failed. I would, I love it much more that she failed. Like that would be really overwhelming and kind of rude of her if she succeeded she all the time, always, and never, you know. And boys get to have failures, so do girls. And everyone should yes. read Erin Carlson's book. I've also DM'd her a little bit. Uh, she's very, very nice. Uh, plug for Ooh. her. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Nora. Did you like it? I did. Thank you. I loved it. Okay, so let's talk you did a great about job. thank you. Let's talk about real fast. Um, hey, Maddie, what are you wearing? What are you wearing, Maddie? Oh my gosh. I am wearing um a burnt sienna unique low 
um, turtleneck Mm -hmm. with a black button-up vest and a darling pleated skirt um, that the vest is tucked into, black tights and black loafers. And I was earlier in the episode wearing a corduroy um, blazer Mm -hmm. over – like a tan corduroy blazer over. Um, Rebecca, what are you wearing? I am also wearing a burnt sienna turtleneck. Yeah. Um, This is my fall turtleneck. I'm wearing my grandmother's uh, glasses. They are uh, very Yvonne. They're 14K gold. Um, Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. This has – six sides to it in gold so i don't yes. know what shape that is and then i, I was think that's wearing a hexagon i'm wearing hexagonal gold glasses from yes. maybe around 1989 and then i'm wearing mm. a or i was a vintage wool blazer that goes can i just with say turtleneck can i just say fall works so well with your coloring. Thank you. Like these like warm like oranges and like yellows and even like more like warmer greens Mm -hmm. just like work so well with your coloring. It is like truly, truly your vibe. You were made to exist in a Nora Ephron film from the seasons of – or from the months of, you know – mid-September mm-hmm. to, I would say, like, middle of February. Thank you. I Thank you so much because I really think aesthetically I do come alive at this mm-hmm. time. And, I mean, my hair inspiration, it's not Nora Ephron, but it is, like, a, a, a beautiful laughing Julia Roberts um, yeah. in okay. the 90s Absolutely. is, like, my yes. – I want the – I want it. I want the volume. So favorite outfits. We are obviously giving an homage to our our mutual favorite outfit, which we we both were like um, in our chat when we were talking about it. We were like – or I think I said I was like, I'm going to tell you my favorite outfit when it comes on screen. And you're like, I'm going to tell you my favorite outfit when it comes on screen. And the second she wears that, it's in the bookstore – where her and Harry meet one another and, like, decide to be friends uh, after, like, 10 years. And it just – it like, the coloring is so good and she's got these little these little jeans on and it's just, like, her hair is perfectly coiffed and she's got her glasses. And we both immediately chatted, this is my favorite one. I, I think it's her, like <laughs> – coming into her own I think she was like performing femininity and um like with the like the frosted eyeshadow and the the um the like the sort of like mop the the like the bell curve Mm -hmm. like bob yeah even before in college I mean that outfit is so cute those like cargo shorts oh oh it's such a cute outfit it's very like camp counselor chic. It's like the yellow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's giving zookeeper. Oh, and also <laughs> I will say, um, <laughs> in perspective, like what are you wearing? We both may be wearing underwear with the days of the week <gasps> on it. <gasps> maybe, maybe, maybe. I 
maybe we were watching When Harry Met Sally and just decided to buy the same pack of Days of the Week underwear. And it is a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And I do have to say, Wednesday out of the pack is my favorite day. If if you want the link, we'll we'll send it to you. (laughs) We will. I I mean, honestly, I think we'll just put it in the stories. But even um, if they don't ask for the link, we're going to have to tell them. And I think, was our. (laughs) Was our Billy outfit the same as well? Our Billy outfit was the same. Um, I mean, obviously, of course, love him in the chunky white sweater. Mm-hmm. That feels like the most jarring of the outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, wow, this man, this hot, beautiful man can pull off anything. And it's very, it's very like almost feminine, you know, it, like it, they it, could have swapped outfits and it's very soft and yeah, in, in the it's best given, way. Um, um, Chris Evans and Knives Out. Yeah. Like this sort of like, ooh, just like. But it's just chunky beyond chunky turtleneck where it, it like it looks almost uncomfortable. But also it's giving um, – I need to send you a picture of Nick Vial, by the way, um, where it's like this <laughs> – When he wears when he wears his like his turtleneck. Have you seen it? Like, yes, it's insane. It makes me laugh so hard. He looks so, so silly, but he loves them. He's so – but he said he was so sad. The stylist was like, no, no, Nick. It's really cutting edge. It's really going to be stylish. And he's like, I, I feel stupid. And then it became a meme. But um, yeah. he can't pull it off. But um, it really also can't. feels like Diane Keaton could have worn that oh, that turtleneck. Yes. You know? Everything, everything, every outfit in this movie, Diane Keaton could have worn – from any of the characters. At any time. At any time in her entire career. Um, okay, so we've we've got our um our favorite Sally outfit, yeah. obviously, and what we're inspired by, but our mutual, mutual, absolute favorite, lusty, lusty little girls favorite Billy Crystal outfit is it, it's take it away. When Rebecca. he sings Surrey with the fringe on top. He He's looks so hot. so hot. And just his so shirt hot. is tucked in and he's like – and one of the things we were saying that we love is like um, all heights, all sizes of men. It's all about the energy. And this yeah. is the most confident guy. They are the same height and this is not an issue for him. Eventually um, – Billy does say at one point he's too tall to talk to at a he's at a party. Too tall to talk to. But this man <laughs> is so just excited, and there's this boyish energy. But his fit of just like the jeans, he's mm. like you can just tell he is in nice shape, and he is. And then you know I love when someone sings and then they get sad. Like oh, it's there's nothing. It, there's nothing there's hotter nothing in this world than singing like, and getting sad. Oh, singing, just singing, and then like the slow sadness, like coming over your face. There's nothing. There's nothing like in it. that little moment where where Sally's singing like da 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 da, and like, like you, oh, hate you hate my it. voice. You hate my voice, don't you? It's I such know, a I great always, delivery. It, it really is, and I don't. I. I do think that so much of the power of this film is in the casting. Mm-hmm. Like like Meg Ryan, I can't imagine another person playing Sally mm-hmm. and I can't imagine another person playing Harry. And what's interesting is they do keep put – Meg Ryan does with Tom Hanks. Like it is, it is yes. great. However, there's something about Meg Ryan's <laughs> – with with Billy Crystal and they never paired up again 
No one tried to replicate it. Also, Billy Crystal being a romantic lead. I think it like shows just like just like the guys. Do we love Aiden? Yes. Is he 6'5"? Yes. Scream. Screams into yes. the abyss. However, yes. just like in Sex in the City, you don't always have to be like the hottest Some, because- Sometimes you can just be Steve, the bartender. <laughs> he did it. That was beautiful. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. I'm, I'm never going to be able to okay. do it again. Well, maybe. But, um, but anyways, it's just they're pairing and also I think so much in rom-coms, it's- it's the attraction isn't always I, I'm not gonna say who it is I but there I had a friend and when she was dating this guy she was just like oh my gosh it is so hard for me not to rip his clothes off at every single moment you've told me about this where and you, she is like he is the hottest man alive mm-hmm. and not that he was ugly or anything but it was just like you he did not have the same effect on you. But there is something so like, actually like almost more endearing and more like that you can just find someone so hot. Like it's so much more sweet. Like if I was dating an Aiden and if I just told you how I wanted to rip Aiden's clothes off all the time. Yeah, yeah, girl. Okay. Everybody does. No, I would be more like, he is thoughtful and he delivers <laughs> yeah, exactly. everyone's yeah. birthday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I would always be trying to prove like, it's not and just he his so, looks. He is a respectful so fan. Smart. Mm-hmm. Yes. He he is funny uh-huh. and uh, funny mm-hmm. and funny. And thoughtful. And, and I like him for other reasons, but I think uh-huh. I think it's like, um, and I'm excited to get into that season of Sex in the City uh, with Charlotte eventually. Hey, Maddie, um, yes, it's time to talk about the filmmakers. filmmakers. Um, we can. I mean, we've we've just continued to gush about this film for so forever. We can. I mean, I think the thing, and this is through the lens of a filmmaker and through the lens of someone who consumes a lot of romantic comedies, most of which were were championed because of the film When Harry Met Sally. But I think the reason why it works so well is because the idea of a romantic comedy in its form, in its function, in all of its tropes didn't exist in that way when it came out. And so what Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner were trying to create was like, a moving, thoughtful film that happened to be motivated by the romance of two people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's sort of what we're missing when we, like, when, because we're, we're about to, like, we think, we think we're on, we're inundated with rom-coms right now. Mm-hmm. We are just at the beginning. For the next, like, decade or so, we are going to be, like, inundated with Mm rom-coms it's going to be intense and i feel like we're going to get more of those moments in the billy eichner interview where it's like we just wanted to make something like when harry met sally and i think the reason why when harry met sally works is because they were just trying to make a good movie the lines are so brilliant like so smart in when harry met sally but also the delivery of them is Nobody is overdoing it. It is like just really mm. solid acting with really solid, like amazing dialogue. And they're not yeah. trying to impress us. They're just like, no, these lines are brilliant. And I'm just going to say it. 
you know, yeah. um, speak the speech, I pray you, Hamlet. Um, uh, <laughs> um, just like, just uh, say what I wrote. Stop trying to write. Just say it. It's good on its just own. Just say it. Um, do you know what? Actually, I'm not even saying it's my favorite rom-com ever, but one in the past few years that I think like pulled off a Nora as best as they could was Set It Up. Did you see that one? Oh, I think it's one of those ones that like we'll look back on and be like, oh, this is a fun watch. This is a this is a fun watch. This is a fun little time capsule of a time. I was trying to think of rom-coms like, of course, like You've Got Mail Mm -hmm. is one to me that I think is like, which is so interesting because it is the form and function of the film relies so heavily on a completely out of date form of like technology, which is like correspondence via email. It is so technically out of outdated, mm-hmm. but feels very timeless. But also it's starring Meg Ryan. So it's sort of that to me is like, that's a cop out. I want to tell <laughs> my little uh, Meg Ryan story. So she was cast yes. with, uh, for one, Nora had already worked with her, I believe, but Rob Reiner had, she had auditioned for the princess bride and mm. um, they said, that she, like she was so great, she was so great, but they said, we were cast for the most beautiful woman in the world. If we were casting for the most adorable woman in the world, it would have been Meg Ryan. And that's just yeah. so a great way yeah. to put it is she is the most she is ad- adorable. Adorb- There's this little run she does in You've Got Mail. Do you remember in her pajamas? It's in the beginning. Yes. And she does this jog with her arms next to her. She has this way of like delivering lines that said by anyone else would make her the most obnoxious person you've ever been around. Mm -hmm. But the way that she's able to fully live and fully own like the neurosis of these characters, the sort of like, like I would say Sally is probably for me, like for my personality, Sally would be a difficult person to be around. Mm -hmm. Because she is so type A and she is so like high strung. Mm -hmm. That is not my personality and I tend to cower um, around those people. But Meg Ryan plays Sally in a way that does not try to validate Mm -hmm. or shy away from her like bad habits. Mm -hmm. It just feels lived in them and is just like, this is who I am. This is who I am. I also think because like in Sleepless in Seattle, like – it's a weird situation, but she sells it, and she literally is kind of cheating on her boyfriend during you know, You've Got you've Mail. Got, she's straight up cheating on her boyfriend, absolutely. And nobody talks about it, but I think, like, I think also Nora, from what I understand, was a prickly woman, which is mm-hmm. fine. We love a prickly woman. Yeah. But I think because Meg Ryan is so adorable – it's that like she's able to, to like, like be this sort it. of yeah she can sell Nora Ephron yeah and I wonder if that's why some of Nora's films didn't work out as well because she didn't have the right character mm-hmm. to sell her yeah like the, the right actress to sell what she was doing mm-hmm. another thing I want to say through the filmmaker lens is it's a really beautifully shot film mm-hmm. all the shots are super intentional there's a lot of like There's a lot of really beautiful, like, wide shots. The film feels so lived and you feel like – like when we talked about he's just not that into you, how everything felt so claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. When Harry Met Sally feels like like a film that is, like, taking place, like, in a real world, like, especially that scene when they're walking through the 
the the fall leaves those orange leaves like it i mean obviously it's such a beautiful shot they use it as like the cover for the movie they use mm-hmm. it for everything it is like it is it's fall. iconic at the- yeah. Also, oh my gosh, we haven't even talked about the most iconic scene ever. Like oh. I knew about I knew about this scene. The diner scene. I knew the about diner it before scene. I understood what the before movie I, was. I literally because I think it was like, you know, my I'd go over to my grandparents' house and they were watching, you know, top ten like movie moment countdowns, like best scenes, blah, 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 blah. and that would be that would always be on that list. And I remember not really knowing what was happening because I was a child and I didn't know. But there, I mean, the fact that that sort of like stands alone, like I cannot think of another scene that is taking someone like Meg Ryan uh-huh. and making them do something so adorably explicit. Mm-hmm. And so effective mm-hmm. and so funny and so, like, she plays it perfectly. And, and I think, like, uh, <laughs> when, like, uh, I think if you would have had a manic pixie dream girl do it, you would have been, like, okay. Stop. stop. Like, like, I've never seen Garden State, but, like, Natalie being, like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one would have cared because it's also, like, quite out of character for Sally, but also because I think she is a different person around Harry. And yeah. I will say in the book, which makes this even sweeter, but, like, I think she did it. I want it for some reason the number three is coming to mind, but she was so nervous and she yeah. like, and they were like, she was so vulnerable. And because sometimes you're like, it's an iconic scene. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. I, I don't think they knew it was going to be like an iconic scene. It was this sort of just like, whoa, like ex- it's explicit. Like that's the reason it's rated R is just yeah. her sitting at the table. And yeah. so it's, um, and it's just, and then it's like Rob Reiner's mom just like, and all have what she's having. Oh my oh. god! And it's just, it's such an iconic line. And I think this reminds me of like another reason why people say that it's like such a good movie is like it captures male and female relationships. Like this is how yeah. men, especially like Billy Crystal at one point, he's like, yeah, like I made her meow. And Jess is yeah. like, you made her meow? Meow. Also, we need to talk about the scene where he tells Jess uh, about his wife leaving him and they're doing the wave. <gasps> oh, it's oh my gosh. It's There are some moments in this film where it's like, it just, it's, it is it is not a real it's it's not reality there's nothing about this film that is reality and that they're not trying to make it reality mm-hmm. but they are trying to like show you like the magic in it. rob and nora are doing their best to show you how very specific moments in our lives mm-hmm. can be magical mm-hmm. when when I put my camera on this, like, look at how whimsical and magical this is. And when they go around the baseball, st- like, they're, the business of the, a wave happening at a baseball game as someone is telling their good friend how they're getting divorced from their wife is so funny 
the juxtaposition of the joy of the wave and the despair of of leaving your spouse is just so good. It's so funny. I think sometimes when you look at moments, you're like, this is ridiculous. And But like, do you remember when I just started singing Journey? Don't. And yeah, no, I know. Did you know I what I was going to say? No, exactly. No, I, I knew exactly what you were going to say. But it's because just it such is- a stupid it's moment. It's so stupid and it's if so If we would have filmed it, no one would have. Because actually, I think these stupid movie moments do happen. We're just not really like, we're not training our eyes on it. And that's why like film is, that's why film when done right is like so magical. I love that you knew what I was about to I say. I knew. I knew exactly. I knew exactly. Because like in the movie of our, of our life, that would be lives. a scene. So um, is it okay if I just keep in that reference to Journey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do that. Yeah. No, no, no. You can you can keep in the reference to Journey. Leave a little Lonely Girls lore. Madeline uh, Turner, the eternal yes. question, can yes. men and women, heterosexual men and women, be friends? I think 100% yes. I think also it is something that I've thought about a lot. It's something that I like – I think all of us think about, especially if we're in places in our lives where we're young and we're single and we're horny uh, and you are connecting with someone on a deep level who, for better or for worse, makes absolute sense on paper that you two would, could, and should be together. But it's just not there. It's the same thing of sort of like – like – how there's that sort of spark of connection, like what we were talking about earlier in the episode, where like you meet someone and it's just like, yep, there it is. I get you, you get me. I think there's something within friendship with someone who is of the same sex that you are attracted to, Mm -hmm. where like if it's it's there, Mm -hmm. you're going to know. And if it's not there, it's not there. And I think there are definitely some friendships where I've been like, yeah, we're just friends. And like that was not how I felt Mm -hmm. and that was not how they felt. And then I have many friendships now, 14 friendships exactly. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I have many friendships I made them all hang out with me to establish. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That like it – no. So, okay, here's the question though. Remember there was okay. one time you flew to New York and you texted me and you just said, I, I've i landed and I just needed to tell someone. Do you yeah. think you could have a guy in your life where they are the person that you tell you've landed? If they are I your think, person? I I think so. I think it would just have to be like, I would have to be – they would have to know that that's not how I see them Mm -hmm. and I would have to know that that's not how they see me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all about communication. I I will say I don't know because I don't have that person of someone who I'm platonically interested in. Mm Mm-hmm. That that's just that was kind of because I definitely think there are tiers of friends, you know. Yeah, and I have I, I have a lot of male friends that I feel like I could have a deep conversation, but like tiers, like if we're looking at like I will my say, D-tier, I don't I don't have any men in my A tier. 
I have like two. Okay. Oh, actually, no, no, no. I just I just remembered one of my people mm-hmm. who is a heterosexual male. A and single? I'm like, yeah. A single heterosexual male. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's very mutual. I think it's totally possible, but I think it has way more of a likelihood as any relationship does mm-hmm. of fracturing or like imploding mm-hmm. if feelings do come up. And of course, if feelings arise and of course, if you like sleep with that person, no. 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 Mm-mm. I don't think so. I, I I think it would be very, very, very hard and I think it would take a lot of time away from that person mm-hmm. and then sort of like coming back and, and existing just as friends. Just like a lot of – just like any intimate relationship – there needs to be an openness and there needs to be a communication. And for for the two of us, we have to communicate of like, like um, you're, <laughs> you're stressing me out, Maddie, but like I'm yeah. feeling this way, I'm feeling this way and keeping things in check. And I, I think there is possibly if these – because these feelings might not ar- arrive between the two – of you, but also there has to be that honesty and communication. I had this guy in college and I had just gone through a bad breakup. He liked me and I didn't know that. We were like hanging out all the time, but then I found out from someone else he had a crush on me and he mm-hmm. had been my go-to person. And I like, it was not nice, but I felt so very much like I was a wounded baby deer he was yeah. like making me healthy again. And then he was like, and then once I'm in a good place and I felt so betrayed and things were never the same. And that night, yeah. that might not be how every romantic relationship goes. And I do think if for some reason, y'all, if you're in love with your best friend, um, you don't always even have to tell them, but I do think like, You need to guard your heart. Guard your heart and guard and understand that like I think when it gets into complicated situationships where you have intense romantic feelings for someone and you are unsure of their feelings towards you, um, but for whatever you've communicated, what they value about you is friendship what you are telling them is you do not value their friendship. Mm -hmm. Like what you want from them is only romance. And that is – and even though it seems like they're they're rejecting you, Mm -hmm. you in turn are rejecting them by not communicating to them. And I think that's the thing is like if you catch feels and they don't – that's not that you did anything wrong per se – But, like, I think it's more you're lying to yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're going to be a worse friend because – Oh, and you can't be a good friend. Mm -mm. You cannot be a good friend if you are secretly in love with someone. Because you always have ulterior motives. Yep, 100%. And like, best friendship, top A tier friendship is all built on honesty and communication. Yes. And they're not responsible. Yeah. And, like, it's – Okay. Like if if someone confessed their feelings to me, I did not feel the same way. For me, then it's my responsibility to not make it harder on them. Because yeah. like the worst thing that you often hear, yeah, I think it is possible, but only if like a ridiculous amount of communication is happening. 
Um, yeah. If and, things and like, change, I don't think like yeah. you and this guy that's like one of your close friends need to keep going like, okay, let's have so, a check in. So do you, so are you in love with me? No. Okay. Am I in love with you? Every Minutes three ago? months. No. <laughs> we got to, we got to talk about it. You, you know what I mean? But, uh, but I, I do think it is, um, I, I think it's definitely possible. And I think the, I, in all relationships, in all relationships, communication is super, super, super important. Mm-hmm. And Harry and Sally began to implode when they stopped communicating to one another. Ooh, and snaps. yeah, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. when they weren't um, setting their expectations mm-hmm. um, up front with each other. Can I say one of my favorite? Let's end it with maybe a favorite line. Yes. Um, I think once again, we're learning communication is key. Um, yes. I'm just going to summarize this line as I always do. But okay. the line of um, where Sally says right before they kiss, he's, he's, it's not that he didn't want to get married. He just didn't want to marry me. Mm. And I think that is such a dagger to the heart. I love that Harry says, well, if he asked you to take him back today, would you want to? And she's like, no. She's like, I don't want to be with him, but he didn't want to marry me. Yeah, but why didn't he want to marry marry me? Okay, is there a fave moment? I really love the line. I mean, it's so cliche, but I love the line. It's like – you see, Harry, you come in here and you say things like that and you make it impossible to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. And just like that look of understanding <sighs> he gives her and he just shakes his head. Oh, uh, fun story. That was the second time they filmed the New Year's Eve party because they filmed it and they were just like afterwards, they were like, we didn't get it. Just like Whoa. it didn't work. We gotta do it again, and like thank, and like what a great lesson of just sometimes you've just got to go like this is so this this is so important. It needs to end this way, and I I mean I love Mary Hail Mary. Um, Mary. Famously, her favorite song is old old Lang Sang or Ow Lang Sang. I don't know how to this, say it, but the, the New, New Year's, Year's Eve song. The New Year's Eve song. And I and you said this to me before the song came on, and I was like, okay. And then I heard it as they were like, it comes on as they're as they're kissing, as like the New Year's Eve kiss. And it's all beautiful, and I was like, I get it. This is a such a beautiful song. With that now, oh my gosh, we're closing out the episode and we're closing out the season. Oh! Closing it out. But don't 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 be worried, children. No. We will still be active on the Lonely Girls podcast. Um Instagram mm-hmm. and TikTok. Um, we will still be talking to you guys, sharing our lonely girl content, asking you questions. Um, we've loved doing this podcast so much. We love you guys so much. And Leave us five um, stars. Leave us five stars, you. please. Um, find Rebecca on Instagram at Rebecca Botter and at Botter Rebecca on TikTok. You can find uh, Madeline at Turner Madeline on Instagram and Madeline Turner on TikTok. Okay. And remember, as always, stay lonely, but not alone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Did we? Whoa. We ended.
the sec it ended the second we ended that episode. Whoa. Wow. That was such a I good can't episode. believe we did it. That was great.